Hello and welcome to this month's The Level Playing Field podcast. My name is Liam Bird and I am the Fan Liaison Officer at the charity. For those who are new to this podcast, let me explain what we're about. In this podcast, we explore the barriers to watching live sport, focusing on disability. The podcast will bring a variety of voices from all over the sporting community to discuss a variety of disability subject matters. And this month, we will be focusing on all things Stoma. My guest for this episode is Brentford season ticket holder Nav and campaigns manager at Colostomy UK, Giovanni. Enjoy. So in front of me, I've got Giovanni, if you'd like to say hello. Hi guys, how are you doing? Perfect. And also I've got Nav as well, if you'd like to say hello, Nav. Hi, everyone. Thank you for giving up your morning. It is early morning to do this. So it's uh, really appreciative. And, and what I'm hoping is that the listeners will get some real information regarding the subject matter we're going to touch on. But I, I suppose the, the first question really is going to you, Giovanni. What is stoma and what is a colostomy? So just to give you um, absolute basics, a stoma is an opening on the surface of the abdomen, which has been surgically created and it diverts the flow of feces or urine there's three main types of stomas, sort of like colostomy, urostomy, and ileostomy. They're all their divergence from the bowel or bladder. Um, there are some differences between them. Um, urostomy is obviously in the bladder and it diverts urine. Um, colostomies and ileostomies, depending on the type of surgery you have, could be sort of like so. A colostomy is on the left side of the body. Um, ileostomies on the right hand side. From a, a sort of practical, a sort of general day-to-day managing your stoma they're very similar some of the challenges that people can face that we'll talk about later today some of the psychological challenges are very similar some of the eight main differences around management of a colostomy and ileostomy are around things like diet because of where the stoma's set for example there's certain things that people with an ileostomy have to avoid eating things like sweet corn certain types of fruits and nuts things like that but yeah um base level it's a surgically created opening in the abdomen cranes and colitis or cranes disease or colitis bowel cancer diverticulitis trauma are just some of the sort of like reasons why um people can end up having a stoma and is it a case that anyone can get it at any time historically the perception has been that it, it's mostly older people yeah. who, who have a stoma and, and and that's potentially because of, of you know some of the reasons bowel cancer historically has maybe affected older people but things like better bowel cancer screening have meant that people have stoma surgeries earlier um more people at younger ages are developing sort of or suffering from IBD, so Crohn's disease or colitis. And unfortunately, that, that is more prevalent as, as we move on in the UK. Over 2,000 people who have, who have Crohn's or colitis have stoma surgery each year. So it, it can affect anyone, like regardless of age or background. It, it, it's, it's on you know, the condition that someone has as to whether they may need to have stoma surgery or not. Well, you said about 200,000 there. I mean, is, is that approximately how many people in the UK have a stoma? The latest figures that we have are around about 200,000. So that's one in 335 people. So, you know, we're going to be talking about football. Anyone goes along and watches sort of like Tottenham, Brentford, anyone like that at the weekend, and there will be people in the stadium there, you know, 60-odd thousand people are at, at Tottenham. You know, there will be, my maths is rubbish, but there will be a good amount of people (laughs) with a stoma in the stadium. And I think one of the challenges of it being a hidden condition is is that you're not going to be aware of of that at all. You know, the person, you know, you could be attending sort of like football, rugby league, whatever game 
person sitting next to you might have a stoma as well as you, but you're not going to know that. I'm about to out you, Nav. You, you are one of those people who, who attends a game at Spurs or, or Brentford. Can you tell me a little bit about your background and, and how you found out you were going to have correct terminology that you were going to find out you were going to be fitted with a colostomy bag Liam so the terminology is quite interesting because what some people say they might think it's yeah it's perfectly okay and what others think is actually like I like to talk about my stoma in a different way so you said fitted with a stoma whereas I think a stoma is me it's part of me so it's not something that was put on me it's actually me so I have a stoma. But whereas some people use that terminology and say fitted with a stoma um, and they and they think that's OK. So I think it's, it's, it's just quite a personal thing what what people think is OK and what uh, or, or what they use anyway, what terminology they use. So I was uh, diagnosed with bowel cancer in February of 2019 uh, at age 38. So and that was a big shock to me at the time. And I didn't know what a stoma was. Like Giovanni said, it was something that I thought Oh, I kind of knew what one was, but I didn't know it was something that could, I could have because I'm young and it was something that I associated with older people. And I didn't know anyone that had a stoma. Well, actually, I thought I thought I didn't know anybody that had a stoma, but actually I, I did. I worked with people that had a stoma and didn't realise. So, no, it's not for me. It's for older people. That's how I thought it was. Um, and initially, uh, so I had rectal cancer. Um, I'm quite open with the words that I use and stuff. Um, just so I think because you should be open about your poo because um, it helps. With diagnosis in the future, I had an ileostomy to start with, um, with a hope that they could uh, reverse the stoma and I could go to the loo in uh, the normal way, the normal function. So an ileostomy is where um, your intestines come out um, and it's like Giovanni said, it's on the right hand side and it's your small bowel. Um, so your output that you have is a lot more frequent. It's uh, it's uh, a bit more uh, liquid and it happens throughout the day. And because the opening is smaller, you have to be really careful with foods that you eat and avoid things like nuts and corns and anything that can cause blockages. Um, I was quite lucky. I could eat pretty much everything, including my mum's curries. I had a reversal uh, of my stoma and uh, because of pretty much most of my rectum was removed, things just didn't work out for me. It wasn't good for my quality of life. I couldn't really eat much. I had a lot of pain and cramps and I physically couldn't go to the loop. So I made the decision uh, a few months ago that um, because I had a better quality of life with a stoma, I was going back to a stoma. Um, and I've now got a colostomy, which is a permanent stoma um, and it's an end colostomy. They've taken everything out of my uh, backside now, closed me up. I've got a full protectomy, I think that's how you pronounce it. And uh, the colostomy is your left hand side usually and it's your large intestine. So which means that your stool is a lot more formed. Uh, you're getting more of your nutrients, you're getting more of your hydrations and over time that will settle hopefully that you're going once or twice a day like you would if you were going regularly um so i'm just over two months in with a colostomy and already i think a week later i knew i made the right decision to go to back to a stoma for my quality of life i was eating so much better i felt so much better and also um, i just felt like i got a lot more energy and it's quite a bit easier to manage for me than it was uh, an ileostomy in terms of managing my frequency and just feeling better on a day-to-day -day basis because of you're getting your nutrition and your hydration at a better rate. So do you think the reason actually we don't 
talk about this sort of stuff enough is because like you said the terminology people might see it as like this is quite private words if that sounds silly like like using the word like rectum or 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 those kind of that kind of language people might shy away and go i don't want to talk about rectums in in front of a public yeah definitely but yeah it's yeah using the word rectum or even using sometimes using poo and things like that people don't want to talk about it and um, I'll probably talk about it too much, guys. But, you know, if we don't talk about it, I would never have felt like it was normal to have what I have. Because one of the first things I, I said when I was getting told I was having a stoma was, I don't want that. Like, I thought it was going to be gross. I thought, you know, it's not going to be something that's clean. I'm not going to be able to play football and go running and do my job. Um, and you you shy away from it because you think it's not natural. But, you know, I can live my life so much better now than I did when I had my reversal. So for me, it's normal. Let's talk about that then, Giovanni. Some of the, like, the falsehoods that might go around with stoma or having a, a colostomy bag. What what are the sort of things that you, you hear or whispered from people who might not fully understand it? And, and what are actually the realities? So let's say, let, because obviously we're a sports podcast, attending a live sport or going to play live sport rather than any sort of like whispers or misconceptions and things like that i think there's there's just a, a sort of general ignorance it's like you mentioned just earlier as as a society we're pretty rubbish about having grown-up conversations about <laughs> poo and it's a combination of, of of that and and the whole as i mentioned earlier around hidden conditions so you know, for not all, but for, for many people with stoma, one of the biggest worries that they have after sort of like surgery and they've recovered in terms of going back to doing the things that we take for granted, you know, whether it's going to a, a sports match, whether it's going to the pub, out for coffee, to the theatre or whatever, is is that when they need to, that have access to a sort of like suitable toilet facilities is to change their bag if it's full if they have a unfortunately sometimes someone's bag can leak if it's not fitted properly so you know and and leakage can be something that has an, a huge impact on people's quality of life if people are worried that when they go out that you know if they suffer from leakage or if they're not going to be able to change their bag somewhere that's suitable it can stop people doing the things that that they want to do you know it can lead to people feeling lonely and isolate you know and isolated so I, th- I think in 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 terms of sort of like you know going to going to football matches other other things it, it's that worry that people have that will they be able to go and sort of like change their change their bag and um i think that first time and now will obviously be able to speak from this from personal experience that first time that people go back to doing something that they did before whether it's going to you know, going to watch football, whether it's um, going out with their friends, it's it's them putting their minds at ease in that first experience. So if that first experience is good, then that will encourage them to go out and go again and try more things. If that first experience is negative, it's likely to have a really, or it can have a really sort of poor impact on, on people's quality of life because it does make them think twice about doing normal things for want of a better word well now we, we kind of touched off air uh, before i hit record um about griffin park because you, you yourself are a brentford uh season ticket holder and also you you saying that you used to go to spurs games as well which is obviously white Hart lane before it became spurs stadium two stadiums that weren't exactly renowned for space you're kind of really close up with each other what were your feelings when you first went to your your uh, football game when you had your um colostomy bag or stoma for the first time because me personally like as someone who's who's never experienced it 
I can only assume it's kind of you're worried about people hitting it or touching it or moving it. For me, I think when you go in quite soon after surgery, yeah, you're worried about people touching uh, sensitive areas. Um, and when you're walking through the concourse of uh, a football stadium, things are tight. There's a lot of people jumping around, cheering, singing with pints in their hands. Um, so things things are tight there. You know, you're having to squeeze through. You know, when you see people um, at stadiums in, in wheelchairs as well, you quite often then see them going through the main part of the concourse and people give way for them because they're in a wheelchair. People aren't going to give way for me because they can't see that actually I've got something that might 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 hurt me or, you know, that I've got an extra disability. Yeah, coming out of surgery and going to a game quite soon after, I was really worried about walking through a really tight concourse and people brushing into me or bumping into me because they yeah football fans when they've had a few drinks they don't worry about who is around <laughs> but um generally i've been okay uh, i love the atmosphere of the stadiums um so it it's uh, it's outweighed that 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 fear that i have but you do get anxious in the beginning can i ask about your toilet usage at, at a football game because mm-hmm. let's let's face it football stadiums toilets are not the most hygienic or or clean places when you need to use the bathroom do you use the general allocation toilets or do you try and use the accessible toilets if i ever needed to change uh my bag or um some i I quite often plug in during the day now so if i'm going to a match i I plug plug my stoma in um if i'm going to a match um if i needed to change my bag or have a look at what's going on if i think i've got leakage then i would use uh the disabled toilet and i've got a radar key which gives me access to it i've got a car to say that i'm i'm allowed to use a disabled toilet um but if i'm just going to the, for uh, a number one then I'll just go and use the regular loo. There's no need for me to go and use the disabled toilet at white hart lane and at griffin park the loo's weren't I don't think fit for purpose for people who with disability because they were tight you, you didn't have uh, mirrors in them necessarily and they were pretty disgusting it wasn't somewhere where I felt clean enough that I would go and and just even to go to the loo let alone change a stoma bag you know and having a shelf to put something down which is clean um, and just you know just having facilities to clean and a clean facility to be able to use uh, to be able to change my bag but both the stadiums, the new Tottenham Stadium and um, the um, new Brentford Stadium, they're, they're both brand new. So everything at the moment is quite clean. Give it a few years. I'm sure it won't be the same. But at the moment, it's clean, it's, it's big and it looks, you know, it's, it's fine for me to use at, right now. You do get anxious using disabled toilets from a person who doesn't have a from a person where you can't see the disability. And I have had people tell me that I shouldn't be using a disabled toilet when I do go to use a disabled toilet. And once it was at the O2, um, watching an event there, once at a hospital, another time at a shopping centre where people have told me that, you know, that you shouldn't be using a disabled toilet. You know it's for disabled people. Um, And that kind of thing makes you more anxious about using it in the future, even though you have every right to use it. You do think twice before using it. And probably sometimes uh, when I just want to check if something, if I've got a leakage or something doesn't feel right, I would go use the regular loo when maybe I should go use a disabled toilet because I don't want to have a confrontation with somebody. Because if somebody says something to me, then Liam, I'll say something back to them. So I'm not going to just shy away from it. (laughs) (laughs) Giovanni, like we, we talk about invisible disabilities, I think within like the charity sector in a way of, 
well, aren't we doing well? People are understanding now that the message is getting across. Do you think that's the case? Do you think actually people, the general public, do understand what an invisible disability is? Or are we not really fully understanding it itself? Because I... I personally, sometimes when you think about invisible disabilities, my mindset will go to someone with autism. Like we're thinking more neurodiverse than maybe physical. I'd love to get your thought on that. I can only obviously really with a little bit of knowledge comment on on sort of like where Stoma sits on that. I I, I think over the last year or two, awareness of Stoma has increased quite a lot. You know, Adele Roberts, Radio 1 DJ, has had, I think, a a massive impact you know she's had a bag change live on primetime breakfast television she had front cover of women's health magazine other things that she's been doing as well i i think there's there's generally more coverage of stomas in the media and there's more positive coverage than if you look back sort of going back five six years ago even most of the stories in the media were were negative around stomas and there's a lot more a lot more positive things now um that next step, I think, is is for people to understand, now that people are more aware of statements, is for the public as a whole to understand some of the challenges that people can face living with a stoma and how society's lack of tolerance and ignorance sometimes can impact on them. I mean, Nav mentioned just now that, um, you know, she's sometimes worried about queuing to use an accessible toilet. Recent survey that we've done showed that that 25% of people living with a stoma are worried about using an accessible toilet because they've been verbally and sometimes physically abused in in the past for doing so. I I think that wider awareness of why people need a stoma and the challenges that they can face around it is is still needed. So if you're looking at it from a a hidden conditions point of view, and I might sound kind of preachy here, but it's also just tolerance of of people as a whole in society. You know, there's there's a lot of research and things that have come up recently post-COVID, how we don't seem to be as tolerant as, as we were generally. So I think it, it's twofold. It, it's one, maybe we just need to be better as whole as people, but also it, it's just educating people into, as I said before, why people have a stoma and the challenges that they can face and how people's positive behaviour can positively impact them and lead to people being able to have that quality of life that they did beforehand, rather than when people, you know, negative attitudes and that ignorance can still have, have a major impact. We, we hear far too many stories still of people who don't go out because they're worried about the impact that sort of like their stoma will have on their day-to-day life and that lack of knowledge and you know in the 21st century that's that's really not great at all we should have gone past that by now when i first had my stoma my ileostomy in my head every time i went anywhere would the first question in my head would be where is going to be the closest toilet so when we're organizing places to go where is going to be the closest toilet? So when you're going to a football stadium or any sports stadium uh, arena, then you're thinking in your head, okay, where is it? You have you're going to look. Okay, where's the disabled toilet when you get in, so that you know that you're going to have access to it. And then it's going to be okay if you're not using the disabled loo or there's not one close by. How long is that queue going to be for the, the regular toilet? So then, and you have a card that says it's a no waiting card. But I've never taken it out. I would just wait because I maybe I'm too embarrassed to use it. I don't know. But I would never try and edge my way to the front to use the regular loos. So in, in the disabled toilets, obviously the queues are a lot shorter if you're at an event. But people spend a considerable amount of time in there if you're using the disabled toilet. So do we have enough of those? 
for, for, for all of us that need to use a disabled toilet, yeah, you might only get like one tenth of the queue, but yeah, they probably spend about five times longer. We, you know, I probably do than um, somebody going to the loo uh, in the regular way. So yeah, really anxious when you definitely first go out and it does make you quite isolated and think about do you want to go out because you are thinking where where can I go to the loo and that's what you, you know and it stops you maybe enjoying yourself because you're so worried about if you do need the loo but once you get out and once you're able to do it and you have a couple of good experiences it, you can build on that so it's just actually making that step to go out and having people around you that are supportive and they'll do the first lot of things that you do in the beginning are they'll know that they'll have something accessible for you so that if you do need to go uh, to the loo, they don't make a big deal out of it. But, you know, they'll uh, they'll make sure that there's places for you to go. Just getting that first step and going out. I know of several stadiums that will have an area in their stand whereabouts they don't have accessible toilets because it's a general allocation stand there's no disability around there so therefore the assumption is there's no disabled supporters there but clearly there is there is an argument to say that without having accessible toilets there you you as an organization are essentially saying there's no such thing as an invisible disability definitely and i didn't even know that actually was a thing where they didn't have uh, accessible toilets so stadiums might get away with it by having a slight slightly larger cubicle in the general access toilets and say, yes, we do have a disabled toilet because it's a larger cubicle and the seat might be lower. But actually, no, that's not that doesn't have everything that I need if I needed to do a bag change, unless you wanted me to do it out outside where everybody else is washing their hands and stuff, which I'm not going to do. It's ignorant, isn't it? So something I know you've spoken about, Giovanni, is stoma friendly toilets. Can you explain what they are and what they might look like? Yeah, so Stoma Friendly Toilets, as Nav's explained, you know, some of the things that she needs ideally to do when she sort of like is, is changing her bag. So there's just sort of like four kind of modifications, like items that, that our guidelines show that a Stoma Friendly Toilet should have. And that's that's basically a hook. So people can obviously hang up their clothes with a Stoma bag, a shelf. So if people are obviously, there's there's a number of things that people carry with them that they'll need to when they're changing their bag as well as sort of like a supply of bags they may need things like um adhesive removal sprays that help them to take the bag off um sort of like wipes as well so a shelf that they can lay out their supplies full length mirror so obviously if people when someone is then changing their bag they can actually sort of like see themselves doing that and a bin as well so people can obviously dispose of um sort of like the bag afterwards and I think for the vast, vast, vast majority of people with a stoma, you know, that is all that's that, that's required. So obviously you need a little bit more space within those, which is why our guidelines are that, you know, we're saying that accessible toilets ideally should have these rather than you can't expect that every single toilet cubicle is going to be stoma friendly. But if, you know, accessible toilets have have those four changes, so hook, shelf, bin and mirror, that will go a long way to, to making it a lot more comfortable. For, for people to be able to sort of like change their bag in comfort. Um, but it's also then, as well as that, it's having the associated signage. I think that's where some of the, the issues still come up with. There's terminology, is it an accessible toilet or is it a disabled toilet? Because obviously people with a stoma need to use a toilet with extra facilities the majority of the time. However, I'd, I'd say a good proportion, if not most people with a stoma, don't consider themselves disabled. You know, also most of the signage is, is still around toilet disabled or accessible toilets is wheelchair so that's again that presumption that someone who's not in a wheelchair or visibly 
sort of like has something wrong with them shouldn't be using that toilet. So, yeah, um, stoma-friendly toilets are great and would encourage anyone to um, sign up for that scheme. And they can do that by just visiting our website, colostomyuk.org, and clicking on the um, campaigns tab. We've obviously sent our, they can download the guidelines. We'll send them out to people as well. The, the stickers and signage that we have are free of charge for people. But it's also looking at the wider terminology as well around accessible toilets, disabled toilets, and the the signage around that as well. We'll start wrapping up now. But Nav, what what one thing do you think football or live sport could do to improve your match day experience when attending a game? I think from experience, it's um, having a clean, accessible toilet. Um, because it's quite a personal thing changing your bag and they probably get cleaned at the start before the, before people even start coming in and then afterwards. But what about all, bet- all in between? And I think for me, yes, having clean, accessible toilets is, is the biggest thing for me. After that footfall of people that are going through and at half time, maybe it's not an environment that you do want to be change, changing changing your bag so that's one thing that I would say. I'll limit it to one because you asked me one. <laughs> if you've got another one, throw it out there. So the other thing I think that would be uh, uh, really good is, uh, so Brentford have um, the standing stand, uh, uh, on the West Stand is a standing stand uh, now this season. Um, and a couple of other new, a couple of other stadiums have are trialling the standing stands as well. So as a season ticket holder, Having the ability to, after I came out of surgery, that's what I needed because of the type of surgery I had. Uh, Unfortunately for me, uh, my old season ticket was in the standing stand. So having that ability to, having the option to be able to stand or be able to sit gave me the option to go back to watch live games uh, a lot sooner. And I was gutted I missed the first few Brentford games of the season um, because it was um, the Man United game, which, uh, yeah say they won three nil and um yeah being able to get back to uh stadiums uh, a bit sooner if if they have the options of standing stand and being able to change your tickets around um so having that reassurance that actually it, they can do it for you um because some days i might be great and i can and i can sit down and watch a game um some days some people might need a bit more room to watch a game so if you are a season ticket holder i think having that flexibility about where you can be in the stadium um, might be great but for you giovanni regarding the work that you're doing at Clostomy uk i know one of the things is stoma friendly society campaign and clubs can essentially become stoma friendly i know west brom back in 2017 uh, went through that process if clubs want to know more about how they can achieve that and what they need to do to achieve that where can they go is there any place on the website where they can find all that information two easy ways either they want to email get involved at colostomyuk.org and we'll pick that up or they go to colostomyuk.org and click on the campaign section of of the website um all our guidelines and other information is is there as well okay guys thank you so much again for uh, giving it your time and i'll talk to you soon enough no worries cheers then thanks bye-bye that's it for this episode there will be links to colostomy uk in the episode description of this podcast please pass this episode on to anyone you feel would be interested Uh, and until next time have a good match day (laughs) bye-bye